from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Can your savings weather an economic storm? There are very few physical assets you can invest in that are proven to stand the test of time. Gold has withstood as a valued form of money for millennia. And Birch Gold lets you convert a retirement account into a tax-sheltered IRA and physical gold. That doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. Text COAST to 989898 and claim your free info kit on gold. Text COAST to 989898 and secure your savings today. Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Our special guest, Chanel Chance, is the granddaughter of Kenneth Arnold. Now, he's the first pilot of the modern UFO era to experience a sighting of nine flying saucers over Mount Rainier in Washington on June 24th, 1947. Chanel is a prolific writer, philosopher, believing in the Omnism, that there is truth in all religions. She has an associate's degree in philosophy from the College of Western Idaho and also has republished her grandfather's incredible book, The Coming of the Saucers. Chanel, welcome. I'm looking forward to this discussion with you. Hello, George. It's an honor and a privilege to be a guest on Coast to Coast. It was so wonderful to meet you at the Egyptian Theater nine years ago now. <laughs> That's right. Long time. Time goes by, right? It does. Was it your mother who was the daughter of Kenneth Arnold? Yes. We, my mother inherited the estate, and just recently she's deciding to share it with me since I've been a speaker on his behalf. Um, there's a festival in Chehalis, Washington, where he took off for his historic sighting of the Nine Flying Saucers. They have a festival every September and it benefits the museum there, the Lewis County Museum and it's dedicated to Kenneth Arnold. I thought I would never find a museum that fit my grandfather but I they found me and um, you know Roswell they had just a small plaque of him down there and um, this museum they have so much so much stuff dedicated to him it's, it's so it makes my family so proud that 
somebody's honoring his legacy. It's an incredible story. He passed away in 1984. How much of him do you remember, Chanel? Um, he definitely, I, I so much love for him. My mother was his favorite daughter, and we were the ones that stayed in Boise where he was living, you know, and growing up, I have fond memories of him coming to my birthdays and birthday parties. And when he was dying of cancer, he sat me down and told me um, not to trust the government, to think for myself. And at, at seven, eight years old, that was such a big thought for me to think. And, um, you know, growing up, I told my second grade teacher after he had passed away that he was the first pilot to report flying saucers. And she was like, oh, that's so sweet, honey. And, you know, I was always just so proud of him. But he died disappointed, and he did believe that it wasn't the right time. And now is the right time for the disclosure and the talk that everyone's having of these flying saucers that they've finally been um, admitted to be in existence by the government, finally. And uh, if my grandfather spent $30,000 of his own money investigating UFOs in his lifetime. He was going to be a speaker for the Fork and Knife Club. And he had a good friend who was uh, the aviation editor at Idaho Statesman here in Boise, Idaho. He was also um, uh, the National Guard, um, part of that. And growing up, I heard the story of my grandfather being driven out to the desert and warned about his speeches. I used to think it was the men in black, but according to my mother, it was his friend Dave uh, Johnson with Idaho State's the aviation editor. He, he definitely, uh, trying to find my notes, but um, he drove my grandfather out to the desert and um, in his car, and when they got to where they were, he said, walk 50 feet away from your car. I know this is what he told him. I know military men stopped your speeches. My brother worked for the military and saw them eliminate their own men. And after that, um, with the knife and fork club withdrawing their um, offer for him to speak, he only had one speech in Ontario, Oregon, which is about 45 minutes away from Boise. And um, there's still some flyers in circulation that are for sale on eBay. But he thought it was a spiritual mission with these pamphlets he's made, and they were called the Flying Soccer, as I saw it. Um, what, did he, what did he think, Chanel, that he saw on June 24th, 1947? Well, he definitely had all the credentials to be believed. He was part of Idaho's Search and Rescues Association. He had 4,000 hours of mountain flying. He was a solid citizen, a respected businessman, a family man, an excellent pilot. He had a clean record and absolutely nothing wrong with him. And when he had his sighting on June 24th, 1947, he was searching for a crashed B-46 military transport plane that had crashed into Mount Rainier. There is a reward of $5,000 if it was found. About 3 o'clock on, it was a Tuesday afternoon, he, he was about 9,000 feet in elevation. He got a bright, dark flash in his cockpit, his, his arc light. He looked around. He saw a plane flying from uh, Seattle to San Francisco in the distance. And um, then all of a sudden he saw an echelon formation, flying objects, four in front, five in back, 
flying at a high rate of speed, and he is in a perfect position to clock them in between Mount Rainier and Mount Adams. He clocked them about 1,200 miles per hour, but later recalculated it at about 1,700 miles per hour, which was unheard of. He thought they were guided missiles. As a pilot, it's your duty to report what you see for uh, the, the security of the nation, you know. Sure. Uh, definitely. I mean, even with our, you know, the Chinese balloons, like, you know, we found out about those. You know, everybody wanted to know about that. So um, he, it was his duty to report what he saw. Then, you know, uh, he was ridiculed a lot, you know, and really wasn't a speaker until the 1977 UFO Congress where, Ray Palmer was there, and he had this whole idea of something called the stymie factor. It is the ridicule, the debunking, the harassment, it all added up to the stymie factor, a term devised by Ray Palmer, a friend of Arnold for 30 years, in a lecture that Palmer gave in Chicago in 1977, two months before his death. I was born this year, so this year and this Congress that he was a part of means a lot to me. Um... They were both into the Hawassi Bible. A lot of people don't really know what that is anymore. It was written in 1882 by a dentist. It's O-A-H-S-P-E Bible. And it purports to be a history of the earth and heavens for the past 79,000 years. The Eurytherans, or astral entities, travel in vehicles along roadways that link bows or plateaus in a spiritual world that exists from six inches to 100 miles above the surface of the Earth. The craft from both worlds, Palmer noted later, made some particular fluttering motions as Arnold's UFO sighted in 1947. And um, Palmer and my grandfather was in the same way believing in how Palmer believed, that they somehow had the, the connection between the living and the dead. Palmer thought that they were the saucers were the spirits of the dead. Um, well, when, when, when your grandfather, Chanel, when he spotted these objects, and it uh, was basically the first modern-day vision of these flying saucers, what did he think they were at that time? At first, I did missiles. Um, he just, they kind of looked like a Chinese kite. The way that they're flying, he described them later when he landed in Pendleton, Oregon, to the reporters like saucers if you skip them on water and the term flying saucers was coined. And um, he became famous overnight. He got letters from all over the world. Um, before Maury Island happened, he met uh, two military uh, men, that uh, Lieutenant Brown and Lieutenant Davidson. They came to my grandparents' house and had a had a meal with them, and then went through my grandfather's letters, picking out all the letters from the spiritual leaders that had written him. They were afraid that he was going to be become a prophet, another Joan of Arc, you know, because of how famous he got mm -hmm. so fast. The mailman knew his address. Um, he would get mail just to address Kenneth Arnold, Boise, Idaho, and the mailman delivered it to him. And they, um, they knew where he was. They knew where he lived, yep. And um, definitely, so, so you know, but after the Nice Report Club, he, he wasn't very much of a speaker. Um, they made it a crime to talk about UFOs back in the day. That's how he felt about it. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, 
Oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Can your savings weather an economic storm? Think about what you've put away for the future. Inflation can render cash worthless. Real estate can crash like in 2008. Economies built on a mountain of debt can fall like a house of cards. And there are very few physical assets you can invest in that can stand the test of time. Gold has withstood as a valued form of money for millennia. It's why people are flocking to it now and why Birch Gold is busier than ever. Through a little-known tax loophole... Birch Gold can let you convert a retirement account into a tax-sheltered IRA and physical gold. And the best part, it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket to make that change. To learn more, text COAST to 989898 and claim your free info kit on gold. Let me ask you this again. Can your IRA or 401k weather an economic storm? If not, call the people I trust, Birch Gold. Text COAST to 989898 and secure your savings today. Well, what I found fascinating about this whole episode was just a few weeks later, we had the crash crash at Roswell, New Mexico. And I'm, yeah. I'm convinced one of those objects that crashed, maybe two, might have been one, one or two of the nine that your grandfather spotted back in June. Yeah. And I think it has a lot to do with the atom bombs that were being um, unleashed there in that area, ripping holes in dimensional time, you know. Um, we believe that these uh, flying saucers, our family believes, they're coming from the dimension we go to from when we die. And um, they're anti-dimensional. In, in mountains are portals. I've seen, uh, you know, some episodes about how people believe that mountains are portals to the other dimension, the fifth dimension, we're in the third. But um, it's, it's a pretty advanced thought because people want to believe they're coming from other solar systems. The time travel is, is or just traveling through space is so like hard to calculate how you would do it. You'd have to have a wormhole or something to get here from where, you know, other parts of the universe. And I almost believe that the universe might even be an illusion to us. And we're just, you know, stuck in this, this, uh, this planet. Um, and they, they made us, they're the angels that were talked about in the Bible. And, you know, the Bible had been rewritten. There's so many artifacts coming out of South America that are that have depictions of aliens, you know, that's what we call them. I mean, they could be us in bodies 
after we pass on, possibly. They could be time travelers from the future. I've heard that before, too. But, um, you know, definitely uh, I saw this, like, during the pandemic in my backyard, I had a UFO sighting. And at first, when you see them, you think that they are, like, flying in the formation of a bird, and it confuses sure. you. But they were flying so fast that they disappeared. My my husband barely saw them. But um, that was kind of odd, an odd experience I had. There was a lot of weird things going on during the pandemic. Um, a lot of UFO sightings during the pandemic. Um, well, back in and, 1950... The incredible broadcaster for CBS, Edward R. Murrow, interviewed your grandfather, who said at that time that he saw three additional sightings of the nine spacecraft later on. So he must have been in a hotbed area, huh? Yeah, he had eight sightings in all, and um, he had one over uh, Legrand, he had one over Mount Shasta. Um, we have some of them documented, some of them... We don't, but he was just a pilot. He was always flying around, and somebody he definitely uh, became friends with was Captain E.J. Smith. He was a pilot for United Airlines that saw nine flying saucers over Emmett, Idaho, um, shortly after uh, my grandfather's sighting on July 4th, 1947, and they became friends with the Maury Island incident, investigating that for Ray Palmer. Ray Palmer paid my grandfather $200 to fly to Tacoma to investigate the Maury Island incident. But um, it seems that Ray Palmer, you know, they were right to come in and talk about my grandfather's sighting. But Ray Palmer was a fictional writer, and it seems that he was friends with Fred Chris Christman, and possibly um, they had made the story up just to make a, you know, more for a for the books that, you know, have something more to write about. Because the whole Maury Island incident, you know, supposedly my grandfather had a piece of a uh, UFO. His friends, the ones that went through his mail, uh, their uh, airplane had just been refurbished. It crashed in Kelso, killing them both. And he was devastated. He was scared. He was uh, leaving uh, Tacoma and either shut his fuel line off or somebody shut his fuel line off, and he almost crashed his airplane. Jeez. But, he, you know, the Maury Island incident, they were staying at a hotel. It was weird. When he got to Tacoma, there was nowhere. Everywhere was booked. There was no vacancy, but he gets to the Winthrop Motel, and they have a room reserved for him. And he swore that there was a dictaphone in the room, and that's a recording device, because reporters kept meeting him um, outside of the lobby, for, uh, information on what they were doing there. And um, in the whole situation, you know, it definitely was kind of, a, you know, a scary for my grandfather because uh, of the military just, like, thinking that there was something special about him. He knew something they didn't, and he felt like, you know, he had no privacy. And um, even at his house, he felt like his house was bugged, and he was just a simple man. He was a pilot. He did his duty to report what he saw. And, um, you know, he got ridiculed. My my aunt got ridiculed in school, unfortunately. But, like, growing up in my era, it, I, I grew up in the right time for this. Um, finally, my grandfather's being honored. They want to, you know, create a statue of him in Chehalis, which is totally awesome, you know, if that ever comes about. But... Um, I'm just glad there's a place to honor him. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, he lasted until 1984, so you got 37 great years with him after the sighting. Was he able to live down some of the uh, people, the animosity from some people? Um, you know, towards the end of his life, he, he was just really disappointed, and I felt that in him. And, you know, he had, a, he had military friends. He had friends, all sorts of friends all over the place. He was so respected. And somebody in the book, I took the pictures of the flying saucers that are real pictures of flying saucers. And he wrote on the back of those, he believed they were the same flying saucers he witnessed on June 24th, 1947. And those pictures are part of the book that I republished. And um, also, when he was my age, he ran for lieutenant governor of Idaho and also for Congress. And he had a huge campaign. He met President Eisenhower. and. Um, and also sent him, I think, a telegram saying that we were being visited from other worlds. You know, he felt like it was his duty to figure out the mystery. But and he, um, and he did not win those general elections, did he? No. Yeah, it was still to, you know, the fact that he saw the flying saucers even in, I think it was the 60s. It was still, it was still you know, very taboo. You know, it's not like it is now. Uh, it's definitely a hot thing. There's UFO conferences everywhere. Everyone wants to talk about why they're here and, you know, why, why did we have this amnesia? We They've always been here, but why was it my grandfather that woke humanity up? They've always been here, but this, that summer, it was the mysterious UFO wave of 1947. Everyone started seeing flying saucers after my grandfather, and it baffled ufologists to this day. My first interview in 1971 when I was a kid reporter was with Stanton Friedman, whom your grandfather met in 1977 at a UFO Congress. Yeah. That must have been yep. fascinating for both of them because Stan was just, he loved UFOs. Oh, I know. And I, I got to meet Stan when I met you. We took him to the airport and I told him I loved him when I dropped him off at the airport because I knew it was the only time I would see him because, you know, he was older and he passed away and at least I got to meet him because he met my grandfather and, you know, that was just so wonderful getting to meet Stanton Freeman finally. You know, honestly, my grandfather was so popular all through the ages. But then the Roswell uh, incident came about when Stanton made it come to light in the early 80s. I know it was like the late 70s that it came about again because um, it was, you know, covered up. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Roswell thing kind of went rolling. And I am friends with the Roswell grandchildren. I love Denise and Jesse to that. Jesse also agrees that these are coming from another dimension. We did a, a podcast together. But anyhow, I feel like our grandparents would want us to be friends. And, um, you know, I I uh, adore my friendship I have with both them because we're in the flying saucer field together, you know. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.